Ironwood. That was priceless. Oh, this is hey, gonna suck. Are you laughing at the time we got? Yeah. Well, you know what? I'm tired. I'm pissed off. We watched a good movie, so we're watching Mr. Accident starring Yahoo Serious next week. I'm sorry. It's making up. I apologize for playing Hopscotch from uh, Death Wish director Ronald Reams' first Monday in October shit. Yeah, Death Wish. All right. Well, Death Wish author. Right, but the director of First Monday and our, and our right. enough of this high high class talent. Hi, well, ladies and gentlemen. Uh, boy. Hi, Falutin. Uh, ladies and gentlemen, we have no class, and we're proud to have it. That has been Let's Watch a Full Length Movie on YouTube, L W A F L M O Y T, the Waffle Mom, and we're of course available everywhere. We'll be back next Sunday. Uh, keep listening to Mutiny Radio. Uh, just go ahead and put it on. They've been doing some great stuff during the during the pandemic. Some really interesting uh, radio plays and and just a lot to check out. Uh, all right, hey Carl, that's been our show. Thank you so yeah. much. It's been good Thank talking you. with you. Thank you, Michael. See you next time. Bye. See you next time. Thank you. Guys. Special happy hour prices all night long. Mutiny Radio Comedy Festival. First through fifth.
awesome quarter of it. Tommy Festival hosting an incredible offsite Wednesday, March 4th, Tommy, 11 p.m. Plus an Allied comic. Check them out because you want to take them out. Music. You know what time it is. Time for the Mutant Radio Comedy Festival 2020 special edition. Special, special edition. There are some who call me Tim. Some who call me show where we talk about what people believe in, what keeps them from killing themselves. Just kidding. You know, what, what keeps them alive and all that kind of stuff. Out at Monty Python and the Holy Grail. So if you cross there are some who call me Tim. Theme of life. Constant. Wonderful. And here we are today with Melody. Hello. Out of Portland, Oregon. Hello. I heard you in here talking to yourself. Yeah. I was, I was taking artistic pictures of your your entrance to Mutiny Radio yeah. for posting on Instagram later. Support. Yes, support please. The, support. Hashtag MCRF5. Absolutely. I don't understand the platform, but I know they're there. <laughs> they you know, mean they, something. They have a belief system there, and I, well, I should believe. So you do I have people who will turn around okay. and look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. <laughs> I ask you, do you believe in Jesus? I do not. He never lived. He never walked the earth. He isn't the son of God. No. All just a big old story. All just a big old story. Just one of many. Made up by... Humans for their purposes and needs to find a way not to kill themselves every day. Ah, uh-huh. so you don't subscribe to this whole morality thing. No. How do you not kill people? Hey, everybody, the stream's back up. That's great. I'm real happy about that. Um, all right, I'm here for the AltaCast. If any of you are listening, I'm sorry. <laughs> I've been, <laughs> I've been remiss. Uh, but the stream is back up, and I'm really excited about that. Come to Asiento tonight. I'm going to figure out what I'm doing here. I just walked in the door. All right. Yay. It's fixed. Oh my God. And then how does he not keep raping? And he's like, I rape as much as I want to every yeah. day. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, exactly. Atkins just joining us. Uh oh. Aaron Atkins. Here we are. And some call me Pete. Uh, the other 50 No, oh, you got to see. He knows Mike. he's been here before. Uh, Aaron Atkins, Hello, look, deep, look deep into the eyes of Sparkle Jesus. Not as a deity, but as a person. Oh, okay. So he did walk the earth. 
April says no walking gnomes. Never existed. Eh. Not a real guy. I no. believe that too. It's just, it's the human need to be tribal, and it's easier to keep, I think, people kind of in line with things, give them something to work towards, and explain mysteries of life kind of all in one convenient package. Jesus is a nice convenient package. Yeah. I put some mints near my window. They were pre-screened. I know a guy. Who knows a guy? Who knows Bob Sicamano? I'm working some of the times. But those times are in the past. I wanted to find the whole me. So I looked in the middle. Hey, that's my material man. What are you, materialistic? I saw a light on in the bathroom. But it was in somebody else's apartment. Man, binoculars are expensive. I thought I had it all. But I just ran out. Now I can't do laundry. Could we possibly? Absolutely. Existence can't happen till it happens. The only exception is bullshit preceding the bull in the china shop. I closed all my browser tabs to save memory. But now I can't remember anything. I wanted some mindless entertainment. But I paid too much attention. And now I am broke. I deleted my browser history because it was a textbook case. It said, are you sure? And I said, you were history. I smoked weed that had no expiration date, and now I'm like this permanently. If the sky was falling, which way's up? If I see you eye to eye, can either of us see anything else? I got a comforter. It's more comfortable than me. Beer comes in cans and bottles, that's gross. I got a notification in the mail today. It said please check your mail. I sent a thank you card, but I haven't mailed it. Beer nuts sure have got balls, to sell a product that contains no beer. I like to stretch rubber bands. They need the exercise. I'm hearing impaired, but only when I'm not listening. I built the perfect chair, but it was uncomfortable. I have a moral compass app on my phone. But I need to keep recharging it? The only thing to fear is fear itself. Isn't that a double whammy? I'm already afraid. Isn't settling up contradictory? Motions the handing money into the sky. When all is lost, you find everything. Message in a bottle reads, help yourself. I lost a small package. Not a huge problem. I tried to sleep, but I got tired. I wrote a bit that killed. It was underscored in shock. I abbreviated doing well did well, and now I can't stop thinking about it. When your past catches up with you you're at a standstill. I tried to take pause, and now we're in reruns. I tried to compare then and now, and now it's later. I have odd times every other so often. I used to be really good, but there was a mix-up and now I'm just good. Really. I once was alone, but now I'm too lones. I have a car. But it drives me crazy. I tried to deliver a joke, but they sent it back. Now I have to write it all over again. I have indoor cat food, but I keep it outside. Diet Coke needs to improve their self-image. I bought something new yesterday, 
and today I returned it for false advertising. My faucet is hard to predict. It runs hot and cold. I had a time window, but now I'm of time and it's just a window. You have been a mild and peppered audience, you really have, I can hear you from here, Martha. Thanks and good night, this is Aqua Q. Oh, here's the quote. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass you are, you lying piece of shit. Too cowardly to confront me in real life, so you do it on Facebook, she wrote. You are the biggest faggot ass in the world. The biggest pussy. My dick is bigger than yours, which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are, lying faggot. I hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully. Wow. Not like her that's though. Cindy, <laughs> that's Cindy. That's Cindy Brady right there. That's a little aggressive for Cindy this Brady. I, this is this is how I swear at people when I'm really really angry. Like you hear me when I'm on the show and I go crazy, but I don't think I would write it down. So she wrote it down and thought about she that wrote shit. It down. I wouldn't text. I mean, maybe. This is, I, I just wanna. I wanna. I, I wanna send this text out to everybody. I'm just gonna read it one more just, time. Yeah, just so much paste and paste and copy that it's motherfucker. So it's just paste and copy. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass you are, you lying piece of shit. Too cowardly to confront me in real life. So you do it on Facebook. You are the biggest faggot ass in the world. The biggest pussy. My dick is bigger than yours, which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are, lying faggot. I hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully. So good. That's the business. Son. So good. I, I I'm sorry, but the, the only problem is if it she had if she had done that at work maybe, but she took that shit to the house. Like the, he got followed and shit. That's no, what really the, did her in, because that's a solid now, message. Okay, here's the thing. There's uh, because I think it's kind of funny. It's super. But funny. I also, I uh, part of me feels like you know she. I know that. Oh, what? Well, that was a threat. At the end of that, the, she kind of got threatening. Uh, will you switch three and four for me? Because yes, I'm going to do something funny here. Okay. Yeah, I mean. Thank you. But Trump support. I, I think Trump supporters are funny to me, really. I don't think we should take them off the air all the time. Okay. Hold on. I'm going to. This is a. This is a. Rap. Rap background. We're going to rap to it. <laughs> we'll get a little bit beat. Hey there, little pussy. Let me get my big boy pants on and really take you on. What a snake in the grass. You are, you lying piece of shit. Too cowardly to confront me in real life. You do it on Facebook. You're the biggest faggot ass in the world. Biggest Uh, pussy, uh, pussy, pussy. My dick is bigger than yours, which, which ain't saying much. What a true piece of shit you are, lying faggot. I hope you meet your karma slowly and painfully. Say slowly and painfully. I'm Susan Olsen. Oh, slowly. I said Susan Olsen. And painfully. They call me Cindy and Brady. My name is Susan Olsen and I love Trump today. Oh, Olsen. Brady, get it. I hope. I sincerely hope you reap all this that you deserve. Karma wise, you pathetic little cunt. You are. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. Uh, Hell is waiting.
waiting for you. Enjoy. What? <laughs> waiting for you. Enjoy. Slowly. What? Slowly. And painfully. My name is Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. They call me Cindy. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. Susan Olsen. They call me Cindy Brady. I make America great again. Making America great. What a pathetic little cunt you are. Hell is waiting for you. Enjoy. Enjoy. His name is Martin. Enjoy. call me Martin. Enjoy. I'm living in that Martin. Enjoy. Susan Olson, the biggest cunt, drops a port of fuck. You. Enjoy. 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 That was that was that was good, right? Did we just make a song? <laughs> did we just? That was pretty dope. Did we just make a song? I think that, we did. That was for you, Susan Olson. <laughs> that was that was fun. I'm glad we I, did I the hope, freestyle. I hope you get. I hope you listen to this. Oh my God. Um, well, let's, we'll finish the rest of the article, but I want to maybe pull that out later and we'll we'll play it or We're something. We're actually uh, yeah. There it was. There it was. Rapping, me rapping with Latoya and. And George D. Smith, who's a super sad face, he's dead. That sucks, man. I hate it when my friends die. But it is wonderful to have them on the radio still. I'm very happy that uh, I have that piece of George's voice so he can still exist. And I think about him every time it plays. There are other two other podcasts we have at this station. J.D. Buell's Morning Train plays a lot on the night playlist because I miss him. And he had colon cancer, and he stuck around with us for about a year and a half. And he was amazing, and he always had the best music. And what a great DJ he was, and great person, just a lovely human being. And then Jamie, Jamie Frosty Nugs Phillips, um, coming up on the anniversary of his death for a year. It's um, it was last uh, Christmas Eve, and uh, we have Soul Sausage here playing in the night playlist. He made eight podcasts here in like 2012 with mutiny radio and uh, i accused him of stealing some headphones which i don't think i don't remember it doesn't matter (laughs) i'm sorry jamie wherever you are in the multiverse anyway this is altacast and i'm pam i'm hanging out cpcl will be back next week choose poetry choose life latoya and i have kind of taken over some call me tim as altacast Everything has changed. The stream's back up. Oh my God, this stream was down for two days. I'm so sorry, everybody. We worked it out. We figured it out. Dang, it takes a village, friends, to make Mutiny Radio happen. Today, I am dressed as a sexy baked potato because it's the best week of the year. It's the most wonderful time of the year. I get to dress up and nobody gives a fuck. And I get to be weird. Halloween. I love it. I love wearing weird clothes. And today is the first day that I'm really rocking it out. I'm going to be wearing some fun outfits all week, culminating in my big, big holiday Halloween costume, which is a Texas cheerleader. I'm going to be wearing one of my old cheerleading outfits because any excuse to wear one of those, I am in. I want to wear those short skirts, and I can still fit into them from high school. So fuck you. I'm going to wear them. But... I'm going to have a coat hanger. It's all gory. And I'm going to have like 
red tassels sort of hanging from my vag and have like red sharpie all over my legs as if I had to give myself a home abortion because I couldn't make it across to Oklahoma in time. I just couldn't make it. I had to go to the big game. You put abortion on the shelf. Now I had to give one to myself. Yay, Texas. Okay, I think it's hilarious. Other people are like, damn, girl, you're edgy. Uh, hey, you know what else is edgy? Metal. I'm really excited, actually, to bring you. Since I'm just chilling, I want to listen to what I want to listen to. So we're going to listen to um, Floating Goat, their amazing double album, The Spawn of Poseidon, and then uh, Suburban Anxiety. And look them up. Floating Goat's amazing. They've been in, around for like 22 years. They're a great, great local metal band. They also are a band called Hendrixian. But I don't think they've recorded anything yet as that band. They do Jimi Hendrix covers, the three of them. And they're amazing. And they do it live. I saw them at the knockout. Uh, how long ago was that? I don't know. My memory's getting confused, man. I think I've got COVID, Alzheimer's. That was also not, that wasn't, that was in poor taste. I have uh, menopause brain. Everything's very foggy. I'm very confused. All right. Let's listen to some metal. And it's on vinyl, which is so much cooler. They're so rad. Go pick it up. Floating goat.
Yay, smoke rising. Okay, that was the first side of Spawn of Poseidon. We're flipping it over. Don't you love floating gold? God, I love them. They make me feel all like angsty and ready to get shit done. Cool.
hope your neck hurts from banging your head to the amazing floating goat that was Spawn of Poseidon, murdering it, shredding, shredding on guitar, Chris Corona, that the bass on that last song uh, by Ian Pettiprin, just slamming bass, and of course, all the drums by Aaron Barrett, drummer, comedian, Aaron Barrett, very cymbal happy. <laughs> ding, 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 ding. I love it. All right, uh, here's the, this is a double vinyl collection by Floating Goat, and this next vinyl is white. It's so pretty. Uh, the, the first one, it's like this uh, tie-dye green black thing. It's very cool, but Suburban Anxiety is white, very white, and we're going to listen to it right now, so enjoy Floating Goat.
exploding goat suburban anxiety. I love that feedback. I love that, like, it sounds so smashing pumpkin-y um, to me, that feedback at the end of that one. I really enjoyed it. All right, side two, white album, <laughs> suburban anxiety, floating goat. We are. 
do you feel the suburban anxiety? I do. That was amazing. Floating Goat. They're a local band. Look them up. Go buy this uh, amazing double vinyl. It really is fantastic. I love Floating Goat. I hope you do too. I also, totally switching gears, I love Stephen King and... I pride myself on having read everything he's ever written, although he has a new book out that I have not read yet. Don't even know what it's called, and I'm such a jerk, but I will read it. But this is a book that was not, it is not, it was published, but it wasn't published. It it was when Stephen King was messing around with this whole internet writing thing, and it was sent in emails or something, and so it was never, there is no hard copy that you can find now, but what I do have is a CD reading of Stephen King's Ur, You Are, narrated by Holter Graham. So I'm being really selfish today and just playing things that I like. <laughs> so this is something. I hope you enjoy Stephen King's Ur. He bought the gadget, which was called a Kindle, out of spite. Recorded Books presents R.B. Shorts a collection of classic and contemporary stories from the world's best writers of short fiction. And now, Ur by Stephen King, narrated by Holter Graham. One, experimenting with new technology. When Wesley Smith's colleagues asked him, some with an eyebrow hoiked satirically, what he was doing with that gadget, they all called it a gadget, he told them he was experimenting with new technology, but that was not true. He bought the gadget, which was called a Kindle, out of spite. I wonder if the market analysts at Amazon even have that one on their product survey radar, he thought. He guessed not. This gave him some satisfaction, but not as much as he hoped to derive from Ellen Silverman's surprise when she saw him with his new purchase. That hadn't happened yet, but it would. It was a small campus, after all, and he'd only been in possession of his new toy, he called it his new toy, at least to begin with, for a week. Wesley was an instructor in the English department at Moore College in Moore, Kentucky. Like all instructors of English, he thought he had a novel in him somewhere and would write it someday. Moore College was the sort of institution that people call a good school. Wesley's friend in the English department his only friend in the English department, once explained what that meant. His friend's name was Don Allman, and when he introduced himself, he liked to say, one of the Allman brothers, I play a mean tuba. He did not actually play anything. A good school, he said, is one nobody has ever heard of outside a 30-mile radius. People call it a good school because nobody knows it's a bad school, and most people are optimists, although they may claim they are not. People who call themselves realists are often the biggest optimists of all. Does that make you a realist? Wesley once asked him. I think the world is mostly populated by shitheads, Don Allman responded. You figure it out. Moore wasn't a good school, but neither was it a bad school. On the great scale of academic excellence, its place resided just a little south of mediocre. Most of its 3,000 students paid their bills, and many of them got jobs after graduating, although few went on to obtain or even try for graduate degrees. There was a fair amount of drinking, and of course there were parties, but on the great scale of party schools, Moore's place resided just a little to the north of mediocre. 
It had produced politicians, but all of the small water variety, even when it came to graft and chicanery. In 1978, one more graduate was elected to the U.S. House of Representatives, but he dropped dead of a heart attack after serving only four months. His replacement was a graduate of Baylor. The school's only marks of exceptionality had to do with its Division III football team and its Division III women's basketball team. The football team, the Moore Meerkats, was one of the worst in America, having won only seven games in the last ten years. There was constant talk of disbanding it. The current coach was a drug addict who liked to tell people that he had seen the wrestler 12 times and never failed to cry when Mickey Rourke told his estranged daughter that he was just a broken-down piece of meat. The women's basketball team, however, was exceptional in a good way, especially considering that most of the players were no more than 5 feet 7 and were preparing for jobs as marketing managers, wholesale buyers, or, if they were lucky, personal assistants to men of power. The Lady Meerkats had won eight conference titles in the last ten years. The coach was Wesley's ex-girlfriend, ex as of one month previous. Ellen Silverman was the source of the spite that had moved Wesley to buy a Kindle from Amazon, Inc., the company that sold them. Well, Ellen and the Henderson kid in Wesley's Introduction to Modern American Fiction class. Don Allman also claimed the more faculty was mediocre. Not terrible, like the football team. That, at least, would have been interesting. But definitely mediocre. What about us? Wesley asked. They were in the office they shared. If a student came in for a conference, the instructor who had not been sought would leave. For most of the fall and spring semesters, this was not an issue, as students never came in for conferences until just before finals. Even then, only the veteran grade grubbers, the ones who'd been doing it since elementary school, turned up. Don Allman said he sometimes fantasized about a juicy co-ed wearing a t-shirt that said, I will screw you for an A. But this never happened. What about us? What about us? Look at us, bro. I'm going to write a novel, Wesley replied, although even saying it depressed him. Almost everything depressed him since Ellen had walked out. When he wasn't depressed, he felt spiteful. Yes, and President Obama is going to tab me as the new poet laureate, Don Allman exclaimed. Then he pointed at something on Wesley's cluttered desk. The Kindle was currently sitting on American Dreams, the textbook Wesley used in his Intro to American Lit class. How's that working out for you? Fine, Wesley said. Will it ever replace the book? Never, Wesley said, but he had already begun to wonder. I thought they only came in white, Don Allman said. Wesley looked at Don as haughtily as he himself had been looked at in the department meeting where his Kindle had made its public debut. Nothing only comes in white, he said. This is America. Don Allman considered this, then said, I heard you and Ellen broke up. Wesley sighed. Ellen had been his other friend, and one with benefits, until four weeks ago. She wasn't in the English department, of course, but the thought of going to bed with anyone in the English department, even Suzanne Montanari, who was vaguely presentable, made him shudder. Ellen was 5'2", eyes of blue, slim, with a mop of short, curly black hair that made her look distinctly elfin. She had a dynamite figure and kissed like a dervish. 
Wesley had never kissed a dervish, but he could imagine. Nor did her energy flag when they were in bed. Once, winded, he lay back and said, I'll never equal you as a lover. If you keep talking snooty like that, you won't be my lover for long. You're okay, Wes. But he guessed he wasn't. He guessed he was just sort of mediocre. It wasn't his less-than-athletic sexual ability that ended their relationship, however. It wasn't the fact that Ellen was a vegan with tofu hot dogs in her fridge. It wasn't the fact that she would sometimes lie in bed after lovemaking, talking about pick-and-rolls, give-and-goes, and the inability of Shauna Deason to learn something Ellen called the old garden gate. In fact, these monologues sometimes put Wesley into his deepest, sweetest, and most refreshing sleeps. He thought it was the monotony of her voice, so different from the shrieks, often profane, of encouragement she let out while they were making love, shrieks that were similar to the ones she uttered during games, running up and down the sidelines like a hare or a squirrel going up a tree, exhorting her girls to pass the ball and go to the hole and drive the paint. Sometimes in bed, she was reduced to yelling, harder, 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 as, in the closing minutes of a game, she was often able to exhort no more than, bucket, bucket, bucket. They were in some ways perfectly matched, at least for the short term. She was fiery iron, straight from the forge, and he, in his apartment filled with books, was the water in which she cooled herself. The books were the problem. That and the fact that he had called her an illiterate bitch. He had never called a woman such a thing in his life before, but she had surprised an anger out of him that he had never suspected. He might be a mediocre instructor, as Don Allman had suggested, and the novel he had in him might remain in him, like a wisdom tooth that never comes up, at least avoiding the possibility of rot, infection, and an expensive, not to mention painful, dental process. But he loved books. Books were his Achilles' heel. She had come in fuming, which was not new, but also fundamentally upset, a state he failed to recognize because he had never seen her in it before. Also, he was rereading James Dickey's Deliverance, reveling again in how well Dickey had harnessed his poetic sensibility, at least that once, to narrative, and he had just gotten to the closing passages, where the unfortunate canoeists are trying to cover up both what they have done and what has been done to them. He had no idea that Ellen had just been forced to boot Shauna Deason off the team, or that the two of them had had a screaming fight in the gym in front of the whole team, plus the boys' basketball team, which was waiting their turn to practice their mediocre moves, or that Shauna Deason had then gone outside and heaved a large rock at the windshield of Ellen's Volvo, an act for which she would surely be suspended. He had no idea that Ellen was now blaming herself, bitterly blaming herself, because she was supposed to be the adult. He heard that part, I'm supposed to be the adult, and said, uh-huh, for the fifth or sixth time, which was one time too many for Ellen Silverman, whose fiery temper hadn't exhausted itself for the day after all. She plucked deliverance from Wesley's hands, threw it across the room, and said the words that would haunt him for the next lonely month. Why can't you just read off the computer like the rest of us? She really said that? Don Allman asked, a remark that woke Wesley from a trance-like state. He realized he had just told the whole story to his office mate. 
He hadn't meant to, but he had. And there was no going back now. She did. And I said, that was a first edition I got from my father, you illiterate bitch. Don Allman was speechless. He could only stare. She walked out, Wesley said miserably. I haven't seen or spoken to her since. Haven't even called to say you're sorry? Wesley had tried to do this and had gotten only her answering machine. He had thought of going over to the house she rented from the college, but thought she might put a fork in his face or some other part of his anatomy. Also, he didn't consider what had happened to be entirely his fault. She hadn't even given him a chance. Plus, she was illiterate or close to it had told him once in bed that the only book she'd read for pleasure since coming to Moore was Reach for the Summit, the definite dozen system for succeeding at whatever you do by Tennessee Vols coach Pat Summit. She watched TV, mostly sports, and when she wanted to dig deeper into some news story, she went to the Drudge Report. She certainly wasn't computer illiterate. She praised the Moore College wireless network, which was superlative rather than mediocre, and never went anywhere without her laptop slung over her shoulder. On the front was a picture of Tamika Catchings with blood running down her face from a split eyebrow and the legend, I play like a girl. Don Allman sat in silence for a few moments, tapping his fingers on his narrow chest. Outside their window, November leaves rattled across Moore Quadrangle. Then he said, did Ellen walking out have anything to do with that? He nodded to Wesley's new electronic sidekick. It did, didn't it? You decided to read off the computer, just like the rest of us, to what? Woo her back? No, Wesley said, because he didn't want to tell the truth. In a way he still didn't completely understand, he had done it to get back at her, or make fun of her, or something. Not at all. I'm merely experimenting with new technology. Right, said Don Allman. And I'm the new poet laureate. His car was in parking lot A, but Wesley elected to walk the two miles back to his apartment, a thing he often did when he wanted to think. He trudged down Moore Avenue, first past the fraternity houses, then past apartment houses blasting rock and rap from every window, then past the bars and takeout restaurants that serve as a life support system for every small college in America. There was also a bookstore specializing in used texts, and last year's bestsellers offered at 50% off. It looked dusty and dispirited, and was often empty, because people were home, Wesley assumed. Brown leaves blew around his feet. His briefcase banged against one knee. Inside were his texts, the current book he was reading for pleasure, 2666 by the late Roberto Bolano, and a bound notebook with beautiful marbleized boards. This had been a gift from Ellen on the occasion of his birthday. For your book ideas, she had said. In July, that was, when things between them had still been swell and they'd had the campus pretty much to themselves. The blank book had over 200 pages, but only the first one had been marked by his large, flat scrawl. At the top of the page, printed, was the novel. Below that was, a young boy discovers that his father and mother are both having affairs. And, a young boy, blind since birth, is kidnapped by his lunatic grandfather who, 
and a teenager falls in love with his best friend's mother and... Below this one was the final idea, written shortly after Ellen had thrown deliverance across the room and stalked out of his life. A shy but dedicated small college instructor and his athletic but largely illiterate girlfriend have a falling out after... It was probably the best idea. Write what you know. All the experts agreed on that. But he simply couldn't go there. Talking to Don had been hard enough, and even then, anything like complete honesty had escaped him, like saying how much he wanted her back, for instance. As he approached the three-room flat he called home, what Don Allman sometimes called his bachelor pad, Wesley's thoughts turned to the Henderson kid. Was his name Richard or Robert? Wesley had a block about that, not the same as the block he had about fleshing out any of the fragmentary mission statements for his novel, but probably related. He had an idea all such blocks were probably fear-centered and basically hysterical in nature, as if the brain detected, or thought it had detected, some nasty interior beast and had locked it in a cell with a steel door. You could hear it thumping and jumping in there like a rabid raccoon that would bite if approached. But you couldn't see it. The Henderson kid was on the football team, a nose-back or point guard or some such thing, and while he was as horrible on the gridiron as any of them, he was a nice kid and a fairly good student. Wesley liked him, but still, he had been ready to tear the boy's head off when he spotted him in class with what Wesley assumed was a PDA or a newfangled cell phone. This was shortly after Ellen had walked out. In those early days of the breakup, Wesley often found himself up at three in the morning, pulling some literary comfort food down from the shelf. Usually his old friends Jack Aubrey and Stephen Matterin, their adventures recounted by Patrick O'Brien. And not even that had kept him from remembering the ringing slam of the door as Alan left his life, probably for good. So he was in a foul mood and more than ready for backtalk as he approached Henderson and said, Put it away. This is a literature class, not an internet chat room. The Henderson kid had looked up and given him a sweet smile. It hadn't lifted Wesley's foul mood in the slightest, but it did dissolve his anger on contact, mostly because he wasn't an angry man by nature. He supposed he was depressive by nature, maybe even dysthymic. Hadn't he always suspected that Ellen Silverman was too good for him? Hadn't he known in his heart of hearts that the door slam had been waiting for him from the very beginning when he'd spent the evening talking to her at a boring faculty party? Ellen played like a girl. He played like a loser. He couldn't even stay mad at a student who was goofing with his pocket computer or Nintendo or whatever it was in class. It's the assignment, Mr. Smith, the Henderson kid had said. On his forehead was a large purple bruise from his latest outing in the meerkat blue. It's Paul's case. Look. The kid turned the gadget so Wesley could see it. It was a flat white panel, rectangular, less than half an inch thick. At the top was Amazon Kindle and the Smile logo Wesley knew well. He was not entirely computer illiterate himself and had ordered books from Amazon plenty of times. Although he usually tried the bookstore in town first, partly out of pity, even the cat who spent most of its life dozing in the window looked malnourished. The interesting thing on the kid's gadget wasn't the logo on top or the teeny tiny keyboard, a computer keyboard surely, on the bottom. In the middle of the gadget 
was a screen. And on the screen was not a screensaver or a video game where young men and women with buffed-out bodies were killing zombies in the ruins of New York, but a page of Willa Cather's story about the poor boy with the destructive illusions. Wesley had reached for it, then drew back his hand. May I? Go ahead, the Henderson kid, Richard or Robert, told him. It's pretty neat. You can download books from thin air and... You can make the type as big as you want. Also, the books are cheaper because there's no paper or binding. That sent a minor chill through Wesley. He became aware that most of his intro to American Lit class was watching him. As a 35-year-old, Wesley supposed it was hard for them to decide if he was old school, like the ancient Dr. Wentz, who looked remarkably like a crocodile in a three-piece suit, or new school, like Suzanne Montanari, who liked to play Avril Lavigne's girlfriend in her introduction to modern drama class. Wesley supposed his reaction to Henderson's Kindle would help them with that. Mr. Henderson, he said, there will always be books, which means there will always be paper and binding. Books are real objects. Books are friends. Yeah, but, Henderson had replied, his sweet smile now becoming slightly sly, but they're also ideas and emotions. You said so in our first class. Well, Wesley had said, you've got me there. But books aren't solely ideas. Books have a smell, for instance, one that gets better, more nostalgic as the years go by. Does this gadget of yours have a smell? No, Henderson replied. Not really. But when you turn the pages here with this button, they kind of flutter like in a real book, and I can go to any page I want, and when it sleeps, it shows pictures of famous writers, and it holds a charge, and... It's a computer, Wesley had said. You're reading off the computer. The Henderson kid had taken his Kindle back. You say that like it's a bad thing. It's still Paul's case. You've never heard of a Kindle, Mr. Smith? Josie Quinn had asked. Her tone was that of a kindly anthropologist asking a member of New Guinea's Kombai tribe if he had ever heard of electric stoves and elevator shoes. No, he said, not because it was true. He had seen something called Shop the Kindle Store when he bought books from Amazon online, but because, on the whole, he thought he would prefer being perceived by them as old school. New school was somehow mediocre. You ought to get one the Henderson kid said. And when Wesley had replied, without even thinking, perhaps I will, the class had broken into spontaneous applause. For the first time since Ellen's departure, Wesley had felt faintly cheered because they wanted him to get a book-reading gadget and also because the applause suggested they did see him as old school, teachable old school. He did not seriously consider buying a Kindle, if he was old school, then books were definitely the way to go, until a couple of weeks later. One day, on his way home from school, he imagined Ellen seeing him with his Kindle, just strolling across the quad and bopping his finger on the little next page button. What in the world are you doing? she would ask, speaking to him at last. Reading off the computer, he would say, just like the rest of you. Spiteful. But as the Henderson kid might put it, was that a bad thing? It occurred to him that spite was a kind of methadone for lovers. Was it better to go cold turkey? 
Perhaps not. When he got home, he turned on his desktop Dell. He owned no laptop and took pride in the fact, and went to the Amazon website. He had expected the gadget to go for $400 or so, maybe more if there was a Cadillac model, and was surprised to find it was considerably cheaper than that. Then he went to the Kindle store, which he had been so successfully ignoring, and discovered that the Henderson kid was right. The books were ridiculously cheap. Hardcover novels, what cover, ha ha, priced below most trade paperbacks. Considering what he spent on books, the Kindle might pay for itself. As for the reaction of his colleagues, all those hoiked eyebrows, Wesley discovered he relished the prospect, which led to an interesting insight into human nature, or at least the human nature of the academic. One liked to be perceived by one's students as old school, but by one's peers as new school. I'm experimenting with new technology, he imagined himself saying. He liked the sound of it. It was new school all the way. He also liked thinking of Ellen's reaction. He had stopped leaving messages on her phone, and he had begun avoiding places, the pit stop, Harry's Pizza, where he might run into her. But that could change. Surely, I'm reading off the computer, just like the rest of you, was too good a line to waste. Oh, that's small, he scolded himself, as he sat in front of his computer, looking at the picture of the Kindle. That is spite so small, it probably wouldn't poison a newborn kitten. True. But if it was the only spite of which he was capable, why not indulge it? So he had clicked on the Buy Kindle box, and the gadget had arrived a day later in a box stamped with the Smile logo and the words One Day Delivery. Wesley hadn't opted for it. 